0: Welcome to Camera Ready and Abel, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Varna abel and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, clarify your message, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the word positivity, which the Oxford English Dictionary defines as the practice of being positive or optimistic in attitude, with the salient point being, in my mind, positivity is a practice anyone can develop it. My guest for this episode, producer-creator Dave Noel, knows the power of positivity. He is a two-time Emmy Award winner and a TV format's powerhouse who co-created Chopped among over 50 other TV shows and has over 3,300 episodes under his belt and has generated over $500 million in sales, and crikey, that's saying something. Dave's partner in crime, the fabulous Cleve Keller, says Dave doesn't just light up the room. His insights into creating, innovating, and selling are absolutely priceless. I couldn't agree more and am thrilled Dave is here lighting up the Camera Ready and Able podcast. So big hugs and a welcome long overdue. Hello, Dave.
1: Oh my gosh, this guy sounds amazing. I cannot wait to hear what he has to say.
0: He is so freaking amazing.
1: <laughs> this guy's crazy cool, whoever that may be. Um, but first of all, I, I thank can attest. So much because so- I have loved you, Barbara Barna, for a very long time and, um, and miss working with you on a regular basis. So just amazing to see you and anyone in the camera ready and able ecosphere you're doing a very smart thing because this lady is really crazy smart and she has been for a very long time.
0: Because I started as a child executive. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. Jadore you, Dave Knoll. I want to begin with just asking you, what does positivity mean
1: to you? It means every single thing. It means every single thing. It is probably the most important word every day. I believe you cannot be successful in any creative part of any industry or any entrepreneurial business, I believe you can't do it without an almost superhuman level of positivity.
0: I 100% agree with you. I've learned so much from working with entrepreneurs and founders in the business world because it really taught me nobody launches something going in thinking it's not gonna work. You go in with such an extraordinary amount of optimism and believe in people and possibility and your own possibility to create and affect change. And the other thing I have to point out to everyone listening is you do embody this, Dave. I mean, <laughs> we'll go down a happy uh, rabbit hole in a second about the things we've worked on together, but it's it's a hallmark of you. You are not a grumpy, cranky producer. You really generate a lot of extraordinary energy and bring out the best in people because you're, you're walking the talk.
1: Well, I, I think there's two reasons. One is creating shows you have to have kind of a weird yeah uh, positivity, hopefulness. It is ridiculous to think that I was a kid from Nowheresville, New Jersey. Cleve, who I work with every single day, was uh, a girl from Nowheresville, Maine. And the two of us create shows that the whole goal is people give us tens of millions or or in enormous success, hundreds of millions of dollars to make those shows. So it's kind of crazy to think we could come up with an idea one day on my front porch, and then all of a sudden we pitch that show and it becomes a gigantic hit show on the Game Show Network that now airs over 80 times a week. It's amazing to think that that's even possible. So you have to be extraordinarily hopeful. And also, obviously, they people turn you down every single day right? You get rejected 99 more times than, than you get accepted in any way in this business. So you have to figure out every single day, every single way to be as positive and uplifting as possible. That's the first thing. But then the other thing is, as you know, my brother is a sometime comedian and an actor. Uh, his name is Chris Wild and he's been in, I don't know, 20 plus major motion pictures. He appears fairly often on the show Young Sheldon. He is the comic book store owner. Um, That's how successful he is, immensely successful. But what that gives me a unique insight into is how talent is treated on a regular basis. So not only do I try to be as positive as possible for my own career and for my own day-to-day existence, but I try to be as positive as possible with any talent that we're working with, whether it be on camera or a camera person, or even an executive, just because my thought is, television in general is so complicated. It it takes so many people to do what we do, from the camera person and the PA, to the person who gets you lunch, to the talent, to to the executives that got that talent to the room, to then the point where you're editing the show and then delivering the show, and then someone has to put it on the air and promote it and all of that, and marketing. So many people are involved. The last thing any of us needs is another person who's negative. We all know that there's a bunch of those. So the last thing anyone needs is, is another person, another creative who's grumpy.
0: I want to point out, because I, I know for a fact you do this. And so for anybody listening in terms of process is we do hear no all the time. And even sometimes that comes from our own heads. And what you do so well is, is you don't stop at this is not going to work. You reframe it You go, well, then how do we make it work?
1: One of the things you see when you're studying successful people, and as I say, not just creatively, but entrepreneurially, is that they have these weird brains that don't hear the word no. Um, Read Jerry Weintraub's insanely wonderful, insightful book, and you see quote after quote about how the reason why he was so successful and he started the karate kid franchise and the oceans 11 franchise and john denver's career and he worked with elvis and he worked with frank sinatra like this amazing insane career where he worked with sinatra and then george clooney and brad pitt julia roberts but what you see over and over and over again is this thought of like just persist just keep going When someone says no, smile at them as if they haven't said it. Make them think that you know something that they don't know. And often smiling does that, right? Like when someone says, no, I think this is a terrible idea. Just smiling and chuckling and all of a sudden it puts, wait a second, what did I miss? What did I miss about this idea? So Cleve and I, no matter what, every rejection, even if there are some that are painful, right? There's some that are like, hey, we're going to do this series and we're greenlighting it for 10 episodes and eight million dollars and then one executive gets fired and they call and poof it's gone on a Tuesday. No matter what the level of rejection is, you have we have we always think of it as a step forward. Because in our head you need X number of rejections to get to success. You need 29 passes in order to get one yes for a new deal that's the number we came up with 10 years ago it's the number we still believe is true if we pitch an amazing show you're going to get 29 passes on that show so every pitch we we think we think like okay this pitch has to be amazing and every rejection then is literally just a step forward so even if it's a mean rejection why the heck did you guys show this to us it's like oh well we we needed that slap in the face in order to step forward. And that the whole thing, every, every deal you get, it's only one deal out of four goes to series. Every show that makes air only one out of eight is ever going to be a hit. So you just keep going, keep going, keep going, because that's the steps you need to take no matter how harsh it is. And sometimes obviously (laughs) TV is harsh. And so like, so I'll say like, you know, like there are days where they're so bad where I say to Cleve, look, I cannot continue today. I cannot do it. I know it's only 1110 in the morning, but I am taking the rest of the day off. That was too much to handle. But no matter what, tomorrow, the next work day, you just think, oh, that was a step forward. Terrible. Too bad. We, were, we had this whole show set up and all these people, and now we have to call them all and say it's gone but that was just a step forward. We knew that was going to happen. Something like that is always going to happen. It's always a step forward.
0: Holy cow. First of all, you are dropping gems. I I feel like I could open a jewelry store. This is incredible. (laughs) You're talking about all the things that I love. Because now this is so much about mindset, technique, and practice that you're living my, my three pillars every day. So you listen, obviously, to your body, physical sensations, and you're listening to the emotions going, I can't deal with
1: this. We had a game show once. It's a terrible, terrible story. We had a game show once that was fully greenlit. We had a start date. We had a budget, 180 glorious episodes for syndication, greenlit two different companies working together, uh, these two different buyers and us. My brother was the host of the show. So not only was this devastating for me, it was literally devastating for my brother and his wife and his, our whole family. And we got a call that the not just one of the executives from one of those two companies got fired and the new executive came in and said, we're not doing this deal. But not only was that 180 episodes for Cleve and I, a show that we created and loved, and we did endless rehearsals and, you know, endless run-throughs. But my brother was the host, and he killed on the pilot and was so good and so funny. And the call came the Tuesday before Thanksgiving when my whole family was supposed to be getting together two days later for Thanksgiving. Severe depression. So I will say, that day, I did allow myself to be depressed for the rest of Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But by the next Monday, man, you gotta get up off the floor and you gotta go out there and fight again. And think positively and think, okay, if we sold a game show to this, it was CBS, I'll tell you that, to CBS in 180 episodes once, well, maybe we could do it again. I
0: just love you so much. I just <laughs> feel like that, that, was, that was like a tiara full of gems right there. Like that's the Dave Knoll playbook. Is there a checklist of questions you ask yourself?
1: In, in what way?
0: Well, like, okay, I'm picking myself up the floor. So you just did one. You actually gave us one. It's like, how can I look at this? Well, if they were, if they were willing to buy a game show for us, we know we have good ideas. We know we have this, what else? So you're, that's baked in there. I didn't know if there were any other, like, you know, I
1: have, which it's weird because over the years, you don't even realize you're doing it, but I have basically a series of ways to get myself through every wall or get myself through every disappointment. So that's just one of them. That one of them is, okay, we sold a show to CBS once. In theory, we should be able to do that again with either CBS or NBC or Fox or what have you. So that's good news. The other thing, as I say, is knowing the numbers. Okay. These disappointments are going to happen. This is just a step forward. There's tons of disappointment in television. There's tons of money at stake. Another thing that I constantly think about is the money at stake, right? I constantly think, well, this is the life you chose. Of course, there's a ton of money at stake. So If you lose, like if you wake up one morning and lose a $10 million deal, that's because you're dealing in millions, tens of millions of dollars. So that that is the mindset you kind of have to be in. You chose this. You decided this was your thing. This was your life. So embrace it. Love it. This is what you chose. I talk about how, because I heard years ago, working in television is like living in Vegas. And I totally, that's... I just picture it. I I just, I'm literally, I picture it in a glorious, you know, we're in the wind or we're in the Venetian in Vegas. And we had just gotten $10 million of a deal. And there it is. And then bang on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, I had that money and my brother's there and he had his money and we lost it all. (laughs) But you're there and you're in Vegas and you got the lights and you got the colors and it's fun and have, pour yourself a drink. And uh, know that the reason you've lost so much is, is because that's the game you're in. There's a lot at stake. It is a high stakes game that you have chosen to live. Embrace that.
0: And you're in the ring. That's exactly. You. exactly The other thing I'm hearing too, is you take a lot of action. And so I want to transition to the fact that I was struck by the fact that your tagline is um, ideate, create, innovate. But those are commanding verbs.
1: Absolutely. And, and we work, Cleve and I, in a commanding role, nothing happens. No, the you know the way I look at it is no unscripted show happens, no game show, no cooking competition, no talent competition. None of our shows happen unless we wake up one day and say, "Hey, we're going to talk about blank," and then we arrive at the creation of, you know, Chopped isn't created unless I schedule the meeting with Food Network. You need to take action chop doesn't happen unless I call Mike Krupat who was in Los Angeles and I say Mike I've got a couple things and I don't love them what should I be pitching Charles Norlander and then it doesn't happen unless Mike at one point before that had thought to himself we should create a 4321 show for every network so we had had that discussion for a year before I call him and say, What should I pitch Charles Norlander? And then he says we should do a 4321. And I'm like, oh, that's a pretty great idea. Can you explain for the
0: listeners just what that means? The 4321. So
1: a 4321 originally comes from the classy, classy show Eliminate. Um, Eliminate was a show where a woman dated four men at once. It was so trashy. But Mike and I were obsessed with the format of it. Over the course of just the one episode, there was a point in time where she eliminated one of the dudes. Now she's dating three guys. Then a few hours later in the date, I don't know what it was in real time, but in TV time, it was like five minutes later. She eliminates another guy. Now there's two guys left. And then at the end, she's like a decision. I got a decision to make. They cut to commercial. You don't know who she's going to pick. The whole time you're playing along, who's she going to pick? Who would I pick? And then it and then you come back and then she picks She says one more is eliminated. Then that guy she jumps into the jacuzzi with and and they continue on the date together. That's the whole show. Mike and I were obsessed with the format of that show and basically, basically just thought we should be able to create a, we were calling it a four, three, two, one show. There was four and then three and then two, then down to one for every single network. And so we went about, trying to do that we created all these different versions and sold multiple versions but the one that we all know and love today is chopped and then obviously three four years later other companies then started saying hey four three two one works really well we should pitch our own versions um which is great i like watching those and and that's nice that they have
0: is is there a story behind chop just in the sense were you somewhere were you like were your kids trying to feed you breakfast and their toppers, and it's just like a basket of like gross it, things thrown together?
1: That no, the literal <laughs> story was I, I I called Mike and said, I don't know what's pitch in Orlando. Or. The pitch was in a couple of days. Mike said, four, three, two, one. And in the next couple of moments, he and I both just saw it all. So, three judges, three competitions, appetizer, main course, dessert. And I was like, oh my god, that's amazing. That is a that's an amazing show. And then I said, oh, you know that Silver Dome thing? I did not know it was called a cloche. I knew of it from Bugs Bunny cartoons. And so I was like, that Silver Dome thing, our host could lift, that. the losing dish is under there, we lift it up. And that's the person who has been eliminated. And then I was like, oh my God, he's been chopped. The show is called Chopped. Mike was like, you're a genius. I said, you're a genius. It was like this amazing moment of, you know, honestly, love and respect and excitement and wonder and joy and, and vision. And by the time I went to see Norlander, which was only like, say, two days later, we had the whole show worked out, but also, and this is completely lunacy, and again, extreme positivity, right? I said to Norlander, you know, look, this is the type of show that could lead in to just about anything on your network. This could lead into... A travelogue. It could lead into a factory food show. All of those things that you do. This is the type of show that you. It could be your Jeopardy. This is the type of show where you could marathon it. They didn't marathon anything, but you could marathon it all day Saturday. And Norlander A took the show very seriously. Immediately knew the idea was great. Immediately and didn't straight laugh at me (laughs) when I said I think this could be your Jeopardy. And now ten years later. It's bigger than I thought it would be. There's now Chopped Junior and there was Chopped Canada and there's Chopped Dubai. There's Chopped Dubai. There's Chopped Sweets and Chopped 420 and Chopped Next Gen. And at one point my wife went to ShopRite and and bought Kraft shredded cheese and, and there was a Chopped logo on the back. She didn't even realize it. And then it's in our refrigerator and she's going, this is crazy
0: the spike in your energy and the joy and wonder as you told us the story (laughs) about how this, but that's the thing. That's the key to really great pitching. I think that by the way, that's across the board. So there's a wonderful book called chaos monkeys by, and his name always escapes me about the history of Silicon Valley. And he talks about pitching and energy and how you go in and you like, you know, the person you're pitching better than they know themselves
1: to go back. It's that taking action. So every moment, taking action, and being as positive as possible.
0: It, yeah, energy. I, I, what I was trying to get at is that nobody goes into a successful pitch going, um, hey, Dave, what's up? I've got some um, ideas for you I'd like to share.
1: Wait, I would even take it further and say that energy, what I try to say to people, and I, look, I don't care where you work, if you're working at a gym or if you're working at a bookstore or the library or what have you, or working at a company with thousands of people, I would say that energy you almost need every day if you really want to be successful. Say, say you work at a gym because my uh, brother runs gyms. My other brother. If you're if you're the lowest person at that gym, if you want to be successful in that industry, you need to come with the energy every single day to grow that gym. Like, and I'm you know, if you want to be your real estate agent, you need to come with the energy every single day to grow your business, no matter what. And people will say to me, well, how do you possibly do that every day? And i am say, well, the first thing you should realize is you made the choice. There's other available jobs. There's other available careers. If you dislike your job that much, then quietly go about your business and quietly look for a new job where you can be energetic and, and excited. But if that, and by the is, way, I just have
0: to point out to everyone. I apologize for cutting out. But that does not mean you have to come out and you're you're Tony Robbins. I just because that just freaks people out when I say it's about energy. You radiate from within. So Definitely. so you can be very gentle and quiet. But we you it's a vibrational thing. So just always need to point that out to people. So they're like, I'm not really big. I'm an introvert. I'm like, I get you. That's not uh, that's yes. not what the energy is. It's it's it is that this is the essence of the positivity. I now need a segue because I have a feeling this could wind up into being its own series, like you know, a twelve parter with Dave Knoll. I'm in. Let's do it. Because listening to, again, listening to you speak, telling incredible story of the creation of Chopped, something I was struck that you've said before is okay. In my life, all of my visualization coaches tell me to dream bigger. That's a, that's just a universal. And Dave says you don't ever think big. <laughs> You stopped me in my tracks with that one. I've just like explained this to me.
1: So Cleve and I worked with Barry Diller for four years. For those of you who don't know who Barry Diller is, you should look him up and study everything you could possibly read. He is a multi-billionaire. At one point he ran Paramount. At one point he ran ABC. He started the Fox network. So Simpsons, Married with Children, Tracy Ullman, all of that stuff. Starting a network from scratch, that was Barry Diller. And we worked with him for four years. And what you realize working with Barry Diller in his building, and it's right on the Hudson River, and some days his yacht is parked so he can walk out across the street down and just hop on the yacht and do whatever... Billionaires too. We started working for him. He had a production company in Los Angeles and a production company in New York. And Cleve and I ran creative for the production company in New York. We created the shows, pitched the shows, et cetera. We come up with this show and and we tie a host to it in one phone call. It was that easy and breezy. Then we walk into a major cable network. One of the very top cable networks, set a pitch two weeks later with that particular talent, and we sell the show not to a development deal, not to a pilot, but to 10 episodes, as I recall, for about 600,000. So it's a $6 million plus deal. And we had been working there. Like, Cleveland, I can't remember exactly. It could be four months. It might've been five, but it was very early on. So it was m- one of my jobs was to go in monthly to this gigantic boardroom, very scary situation <laughs> with Diller at one end and his partner, who was based in Beverly Hills, was on this gigantic, scary screen at the other end. And then across from you were lawyers and and business people, scariest people. like close your eyes, scariest people imaginable. Whatever you're imagining, a scary lawyer. these were not nice people, Barbara. They were not nice. So I, being the big thinker at the time, was like, I am so great today. I literally dressed in my very nicest clothes to the point where my wife was like, where are you going? Like, are you going to a, a wedding? That I, like, what is the event? And I'm like, I'm going into the boardroom today and I'm going to wow everyone. I have this insane presentation. It's in full color. There's a gold binder clip. It's got every chart. I'm going to tell them about this new show. We've only been here four or five months. It's amazing. I'm awesome. Cleve's awesome. Everything is fantastic. And she was like, well, good luck, honey. It sounds like you're going to have a great day. And I said, I am going to have a great day because I'm a big thinker and this is a big show and everything is great. So I go into that boardroom and they get to me and all these scary people are there. And I'm start, I launch into our presentation, which is is concise, and it's exactly what he wanted, and I even worked with like his assistant people to make it absolutely perfect, every stupid chart, looking into the future, how much money we were going to make over the course of the next year. I was amazing, and delivered it because I was full of confidence in the best way possible with a gigantic smile on my face. And Diller, at the end of the presentation, which was short and concise and perfect, said, I'll never forget it why are we doing this again? And I laughed because I was on fire. It's hard to put the fire out, right? When you're on fire, when you're so confident, like a big thinker thinking big, this is a big hit. I laughed thinking he was joking and I didn't know what to do. So I hit like two of the bullet points again. Well, the biggest bullet points, bang and bang. Did I mention $6 million? I've only been here. He slid the presentation over across the conference room table, and that was far. Like, it was, I don't know, 10 feet. I'm not good with feet, but it was far. It's, I can hear the gold binder clips sliding across the table. And he said, it's an effing lemonade stand. It's a lemonade stand. And he didn't say effing, by the way. He, he used the adult word. And then he destroyed me live. In front of all these people, basically saying, "This show, I know this talent, I know this network, I know this type of show. Congratulations! The most you're gonna get is three seasons. That I'm being nice to you. I'll bet it's two seasons maximum. Here's exactly how much you're going to make, and I forget what the number was. When all was said and done, because we did, he did let us move ahead with it. Um, he was almost." Right to the penny. But it was like, I don't know, four million. But the lesson was, he's Barry Diller, billionaire. It's dangerous for me to quote unquote think big because he is thinking so much bigger. So he literally destroyed me in front of everybody. But then, as I guess geniuses, great minds, billionaires do, he then built me immediately back up and he said, Look, what you and Cleve have the ability to do is to create the next wheel of fortune it's to create the next survivor the next america's got talent the next blank the next do that you 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 are playing in a pool of pennies bring me so at one point it wasn't that meeting it was later don't pitch me anything again unless you see a clear concise path to a hundred million dollars globally And I'll tell you this, after that meeting, we had, Cleve remembers the numbers better than me, but I think it was like 84 shows on this gigantic whiteboard. And I know I crossed off every single show except for eight of them. Gone, 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 lemonade stand, lemonade stand, lemonade stand, lemonade. And she was dumbfounded. And I was like, look, there's bad news and there's good news. The bad news is he thinks we're idiots. (laughs) But the good news. Is he thinks we're wildly talented, and and he said you have the unique ability to do this. That's what you two do. I, I, it's true. He didn't use the word superpower, but if it was twenty twenty one and he was a different person, he would have said that's your superpower, moron. And it's a big one. So why don't you focus on doing that? And why don't you, you know, why don't you be Superman instead of Robin? Be Captain America. Be Iron Man. Don't be their assistant's assistant. It was life changing. <laughs> Literally, to this day, Cleve and I do not pitch a show anymore unless we believe for some cuckoo reason, and we now know a lot about global television. We don't pitch any show unless we see that there is a clear path to episodes all over the world for the next 10, 20, 30, 50 years.
0: Do you have like a Barry Diller bobblehead around that you use for inspiration? <laughs>
1: I do not. He scares me too much. It's very intimidating.
0: I, I can't even fathom the intimidation and like all those exercises are like making yourself feel bigger. Um, but Shoot me questions
1: don't... on the LinkedIn. Jo- join with, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. Anyone can ask questions.
0: By the way, let's just pause one sec. You are so incredibly generous (laughs) on LinkedIn and Instagram in the socials. First of all, your content, just pushing it out and yes, responding to people and giving access. And I love and adore you. It's one of the reasons why I got to have Dave, but I want (laughs) to ask you this question and then we'll we'll wrap up and talk about your upcoming book. But, but you also said there is no fear.
1: You can't do same with positivity, same with taking action, right? It's all based... Based on the same feeling, you can't do what we do and have any fear because fear is the wall that stops you. the fear of failure, the fear of being goofy, the fear of any of it. there's not it's business like I, I say I have fear in real life, obviously i I have you know kids, so I get my daughter, she just drives down to the beach, and I'm afraid all day. That she's gonna get into some sort of car accident, fearful in life. In business, you can't be afraid. Stephen King was the best example of this. Um, reading his book, I've also heard him talk about this. And it's ironic, right? Because the whole thing is there is no fear, and we're learning it from Stephen King, Master King of Fear. But when he was a kid, like 10, 11, 12 years old, he would write these short stories and he would submit those stories to magazines. He heard that there were magazines that would take submissions. And he was so excited and so energized by that, he would write these short stories and then submit them to these magazines. And he writes about this in his book on writing, which is brilliant. I've read a lot of books. Those two, Weintraub's and Stephen King's, are among the most brilliant. Um, But Stephen King says when that first rejection letter came in, he's about 12 years old. And he did the opposite of what everyone else does. When we're growing up, right, what are we taught? Every day, kindergarten through college, what are we taught? We're taught that getting the F, getting the fail is devastating to the point where you hide your F's, right? You don't give them to your parents, you run from them. You, you're so scared of failing every single day. And that's what we all grow up with from when we're five years old to when we stop school. Failure bad, failure bad, failure bad. What, so what is young Stephen King though, literally went the opposite. They rejected his story and he was excited. He was so thrilled that a real magazine had actually read his story, even if they hadn't, but so excited that they thought enough of him to send him an actual rejection, that he immediately had these eaves above his head in his room, and he banged a nail into one of the eaves and hung the rejection letter, and every single letter that came in after that rejection 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 he was like it took years for anyone to buy anything for the hundred dollars or whatever they bought it for and he had all those rejection letters to the point where the nail wasn't big enough and he had to get it's stephen king of course a wooden spike to bang into those eaves to hang all the rejections above him and ever since i read that which was 15 years ago or whatever that is how I treat every day of my life. Every rejection is a celebration. There is no fear. You're not afraid of those rejections that come in because you need them. You must embrace them. We're, any, as I say, any time that anything gets turned down, any bit of fear or failure, and I immediately work to spin it into something positive. You must.
0: I can't wait for your TED talk, your master class. <laughs> um, all of that. But in the meantime, you are hard at work on a book.
1: It's, I am so excited. And so far it's been so much fun and so grueling. And, um, and my whole goal starting January of this year is to basically share everything I've learned. So I go on LinkedIn. I try to do it every week. And I'm just like, look, here's a tip. And it might be a tip on pitching. It might be a tip on creating shows. It might just be a tip on surviving show business it might, be, or working with a partner. It, I don't know what the tip is, but I basically am like, I've learned all this stuff. I've done this a long time. I've learned all of this. I want to get it out there. I want anyone to learn from it who can. <laughs> and then along the way, um, a, a couple of years ago, I was like, I should try to put all this stuff into a book. And it it started coming together in these seven rules, these seven things that I now know, that not only have I experienced, but seven things that I've read about from Oprah or Walt Disney or Will Smith or I have all these stories in it. Some of them are me there live with Will Smith or Tom Cruise or Celine Dion. Some of them are just things that I've read or experienced. But what's cool is I keep seeing these four rules over and over and over again. The book does not have a title yet, but what I know is it's going to be these seven rules. And the essence of it is to basically inspire people, creatives entrepreneurs, leaders, to get up every day and work harder and smarter than everyone else. And oftentimes, smarter is the key, by the way. Um, And to have that positivity, that inner light, that inner sense of, I do have all of what it takes to be insanely successful it's just going to take a while. Um, One of the things I've definitely realized is you can accomplish almost nothing amazing in a year. That is one thing that I have learned. You can accomplish almost nothing worthwhile and amazing and impressive in a year, but there's almost nothing that you can't accomplish that is amazing or worthwhile in 10 years. So if you're focusing on the next 10 years and not what's happening tomorrow or the rejection you got today, it's so much more valuable. You can accomplish almost anything. The average person, and you know, it used to be, well, you can't be an astronaut probably, but even now you can. <laughs> There's almost nothing that you, that's worthwhile and, and amazing that you can't accomplish over 10 years at least I think. And so that's, that, that is kind of what the book is all about.
0: Dave Knoll, man, you are a gift. And for <laughs> everyone listening, didn't I promise Dave Knoll was going to light up this podcast. Wow. You on fire, man. That was thank incredible. you so much.
1: And just thank you from back in the day, you were so nice and so smart and such a wonderful, wonderful person. Uh, to be able to learn from at a time where I was trying to learn everything i could
0: wait I, well, you're very sweet to say that um and thank you <laughs> it's true. Dave. you are a gem, I'm dropping gems I, I i I feel like I gained twenty or thirty pounds in in jewelry just today. <laughs> J'adore you. anything um debuting or coming up we should be aware of?
1: Just uh, America says on the game show network it's on constantly um. 410 episodes chopped obviously there's 87 versions but go to discovery plus and every single season of every version or almost every version is on discovery plus now um and then you know new shows next year
0: fantastic thank you thank you thank you and i want to thank you for listening to camera ready and able if you would like info on upcoming classes or one-on-one private coaching please skip on over to ableintermedia.com and shoot me a note And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.